1: Welcome to my 295th-ever show of all-around sports. Reach Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. We broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this weekend and what's ahead for the week. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. As always, we'll give you my highlights lowlights and bizarre news items from this past week. Also, we will be joined next segment by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. Well, my highlight of the week is the spectacular World Series we are witnessing. Last night uh, was otherworldly, just when you thought nothing could get better than Game 2 and uh, the most home runs ever in baseball history during extra innings we come up with last night. Uh, my first thought is Clayton Kershaw on the mound with a 4 nothing lead. I couldn't help but think the game was over. I'm sure there were millions like me. And I could not have been more wrong, nor could the baseball world in general. Uh, basically gave up a three-run homer. It brought it to four-four, and I must say that when Houston pulled ahead, eleven to eight, I just thought, well, that's it. The, you know, we've already seen multiple comebacks in this game and throughout the series. Uh, you know, this is it. The final score is going to be eleven to eight, and once again, couldn't have been more wrong. The Dodgers, to their credit, battled back, and of course, the. Astros had battled back in the first place to go ahead, 11-8. to eight. And, uh, and sure enough, the Dodgers came back. Ultimately, it got to uh, 12-12 and in extra innings, of course. And then it uh, ended with a single knocking home the winning run in extra innings. And... Here we have the Astros with a three-to-two lead and a chance to win the World Series tomorrow night in Los Angeles with Justin Verlander on the mound. Uh, what poetic justice! One of the great pitchers of our generation and all time uh, has a chance to win his first World Series uh, while being out on the mound. So it's in his hands, and it should be just fantastic theater. Uh, feels like it could or should go seven. Uh, but again, you have to give uh, the Astros taking that momentum uh, as, as as much as you have it in baseball into uh, game six, again, uh, with the chance to win it all. But it's just been really... Unbelievable with the home runs like we've never seen before in baseball history in a World Series. Uh, Everybody's just going long ball. The crowds have been fabulous, Uh, both Houston and L.A. Houston was just uh, near insanity, it felt, for the last three games. And then uh, one thing I've enjoyed a lot is... The reactions of both teams during these comebacks, it feels like uh, there's never been better camera work showing uh, the reactions of teammates and the players themselves as they hit these dramatic home runs uh, to bring the house down. And then as they're rounding the bases, getting into the dugout, the excitement of their teammates to me has really been a cut above anything I can ever remember and just something that has elevated this already uh, historic World Series. So it has just been amazing to watch. And looks like we'll have more fireworks tomorrow night. And, uh, and we'll see about Wednesday if there is indeed a Game 7. Uh, if ever a series were uh, justified, shall we say, or... Uh, Wetted the appetite uh, for a series to go seven, it would be this one. Well, my bizarre story of the week was watching Russell Wilson of the Seahawks and rookie Deshaun Watson of the Texans just light it up last, uh, late yesterday afternoon here on the East Coast in arguably the game of the year. Each quarterback had four TD passes, and what made it unique. Is that Russell Wilson, as great a quarterback as he is, is uh, it's not his M.O. to be throwing four touchdowns and going for 400 in your typical game. He usually uh, does just enough to win uh, with that great defense the Seahawks have had in recent years. Deshaun Watson, a rookie, the mere fact that he threw for four touchdowns and 400 yards against The just-mentioned Seahawks' great defense is nothing short of amazing. And, uh, boy, between Deshaun Watson and Carson Wentz, uh, the Browns, poor Cleveland Browns, who I watched yesterday from London, yesterday morning. Always fun to have a Sunday morning game on. Uh, They just have to be uh, kicking themselves. They could have had either of them, as we all know. But, anyway, it was – to see those two quarterbacks light it up against two of the established defensive teams in the NFL was just wildly, wildly entertaining, and they were just, again, up and down the field, comebacks, lead changes, just terrific stuff. And that was followed uh, last night by a very entertaining game out in Detroit where the Steelers. Uh, held on to beat the Lions, and uh, some great plays in that one, Uh, Ben hitting Juju Smith-Schuster for a 97-yard touchdown was remarkable to watch as he put on the Jets, and uh, and watching him and Le'Veon Bell Last week, it was the trick-or-treat end zone celebration. <laughs> Yesterday, it was bench pressing the ball. Uh, so those two are uh, turning into quite the team with the end zone celebrations, to put it mildly. But great game to watch. Again, went down to the end. Uh, nothing more you can ask for in any football game, college or pro, or at any level. So that was great to watch. And then the Patriots, uh Another solid victory, as everybody has thought the sky has been falling around them since they lost the opening banner night game against Kansas City. Uh, here they are entering the bye week with a 6-2 and two record and sitting pretty. Uh, the Bills had a great win over the Raiders yesterday. So they're right there with the Patriots at the top of the AFC East. Uh, The Dolphins still have a good record, but after watching them get whitewashed last week, Thursday night, uh, by the Baltimore Ravens, you have to wonder, uh, are they for real? That was just such a a thumping that it's tough to, uh, from the Patriots' point of view, to be too worried about the Dolphins, although the Dolphins always play them tough. So we shall see on where the Dolphins go from here. And my low light of the week, uh, as someone who grew up in Pennsylvania, was watching Penn State give up their game-long lead, which started, of course, with the opening 97-yard kickoff return from Saquon Barkley, and uh, ended up ultimately losing to Ohio State. All credit to them. Uh, They basically had a fourth quarter for the ages, JT Barrett, the quarterback in particular, And the only lead of the game that Ohio State had was the final lead in the final minute. And uh, basically, that was the only time Penn State trailed all day was at the end. But again, you have to just hand it to Ohio State for putting on an absolute uh, fourth quarter that will be remembered forever in Columbus. And uh, great game to watch. And uh, everybody knew it was going to be a good one. And that make it out as the game of the year in college. So now let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. So don't go anywhere.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
3: Join Matt Fish and Alex Clancy every week for Rebound Radio. We'll talk with the legends of basketball about how they got started, their rise to the top of the game, how basketball has changed their lives, and what they're up to now, just like the game itself you'll find that lives can pivot on a dime. There can be last-minute saves, and life is anything but run-of-the-mill. Rebound Radio can be heard live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time and 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. You won't want to miss the next show.
1: The call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, and it's that time of the show when our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine, joins us. And A.P., how are you doing today? I'm doing very well, John, very well. Good to be on the show. Well, good to have you on the show. Uh, thanks for calling. I know you're on the road today, uh, back at, up here in the Northeast. Uh But Alabama had a bye week this past week, if I'm not mistaken, and uh, there was some great football, and it looks like there will be quite a shakeup heading into tomorrow night's college football playoff first rankings of the year.
4: Yeah, John, it's been
1: amazing these
4: last couple of weeks in college football how things have really turned upside down.
1: It's unbelievable
4: uh, how these teams have been upset
1: Absolutely. Um, of course, I, w- I wouldn't call it an upset, but the Penn State-Ohio State game was a game for the ages. Uh, Penn State led the entire game until they didn't at the if I, at the very, very, very end. Uh, Saquon Barkley kicked it off with a 97-yard return of the opening kickoff, and J.T. Barrett just lit it up in the fourth quarter with uh like four touchdowns and uh he quieted all his critics that's for darn sure once and for all
4: yeah john he's been a quarterback now in that consideration for the heisman was that type of performance in a big game or they were the underdog they were down and those types of uh, snapshots of a player's career that will live forever
1: forever that game will certainly live forever in columbus and uh you know, it just is, uh, again, all Penn State fans are pretty disappointed since, again, they led from the opening play, opening kickoff, right through to the final minute. But all that matters is the final score, and uh, Ohio State just caught fire in that fourth quarter, and all credit to them. They, they, they won it. You know, it was, they won it more than Penn State lost it, and it was both offense and defense. Uh just completely bottled up the Nittany Lions and, uh, and, you know, they earned it. So good for them. And, uh, now we're looking at a situation of, uh, you know, a top four that will undoubtedly have Alabama, Georgia, and Wisconsin all sitting at 8 0 undefeated. And more than likely, it's going to be Ohio State, uh, making a big leap from, uh, Around number nine or so in most polls, up to probably the, the top four, coming off that victory over Penn State. And then uh, Penn State's going to drop to seven. And and then you have uh, Clemson and Notre Dame. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma in the mix. Miami still undefeated, ranked about ninth. And, uh, you know, Oklahoma State. But, yeah, but in addition to, you know, Penn State losing as an undefeated team, also... Uh, you had TCU lost to Iowa State, pulled up another huge upset. And, uh, you know, even University of South Florida saw their undefeated season come to an end.
4: <laughs> no one was in touch, John, this past weekend, it seems seems like. And, and the beauty of the rest of the season, John, is that the teams that you just mentioned will be competing against each other. So this is just a few seconds we have to review this top four, let's say, but this is going to change drastically probably in the next month.
1: Yes, I think so. Uh, you know, Georgia, if they continue undefeated, would obviously meet Alabama in the SEC championship game, right? They're not scheduled before that, correct?
4: Correct, right. They were playing that championship game, and, and Georgia has to uh, take a spin over to Auburn, Alabama. And so does Alabama have to take a ride across the state to visit the Tigers.
1: Correct. And then you have Wisconsin. And, uh, you know, they, if they run the table and they have a pretty favorable schedule, they would have to play uh, what appears would at this moment be Ohio State in the Big Ten championship game. Uh, Notre Dame has a tough schedule coming out, and uh, as does the U of Miami. So uh, any of these teams that remain undefeated are certainly going to earn it, to put it mildly, including Alabama.
4: Yeah, I think that what makes this different in basketball, John, is because you're trying to play to get into the championship round. Or in basketball, if you lose the championship game, you know, that's fine. You'll catch somebody on the rebound, no pun intended. But in college football, you're going for broke every week just to get into that top four. And that makes it so exciting. Well,
1: it really does. No doubt about it. Uh, and AP, we also had, you know, other interesting news over the weekend, which, of course, is uh, Florida firing Jim McElwain. Uh, they got trounced in the world's largest uh, cocktail party at Jacksonville, the annual Florida-Georgia border war game. And, uh, but, you know, I can't help but think Somehow, this is rooted not mo- n- more, not so much in the three losses in a row in the season they're having, but what seemed to be pretty bizarre uh, situation last week with him t- referencing death threats, but then the University of Florida coming out and not getting, quote, further details from him. When I saw that, I just thought, boy, there, there's something wrong here, and... I think the firing shows there was something wrong, and it's more than just Georgia beating up on him in Jacksonville.
4: Yeah, I thought of the Timmy Net song, V-I-V-O-R-C-E. right away Correct. when I heard those those comments and the unsubstantiated. You, those are serious statements to make, and not yes. come up with any uh, any documents or any proof or something, a phone call, a recording. I mean, because all the coaches. There's all these fans, and they say, they say many things, and many of them are outrageous, and they're usually anonymous. But if he made these, these statements about death threats, you just can't get go before the public and try to stir up things or try to draw sympathy. I mean, I really don't know the genesis of why he made those comments.
1: Nor do I, not exactly. I don't know the, what was, what occurred leading up to that. Uh, him saying that, but in my mind, you know, as soon as I saw that the University of Florida quote, met with him and had again, quote, no further details I just thought in my mind, I'm guessing here, but I wouldn't be shocked if he was basically, you know internally, they they made a decision before the Florida game Uh, wouldn't surprise me at all if that was the case
3: before the uh, Georgia game
4: (laughs) Yeah, they, there was no hesitation on their part to come out uh, with a release, press release to clarify their their, stand, you know, their their position at this moment. So he's not long for Gainesville. You knew that right away because if you're going to stand behind your coach, you wouldn't have made those type of comments and released that type of statement. Uh, it just seemed strange. I, I didn't understand. I I won't understand until you know he comes out and. Uh, explains that Florida, you know, they did not score for two, three years. Now they're having trouble. That's this forte, offensive coordinator. He was at Alabama, went to Colorado State, built them up for a couple of years, uh, but showed no signs of improvement. And when you're in a, a state like Florida has all that speed and skill and folks are coming from all over the country to recruit your state, and you're last in offense uh, you know, near the bottom of the country, something does not add up, and you don't see any progress, John. You really don't have a choice. I mean, I was really surprised two, about two and a half years or so,
1: and, and, and that was his tenure. Correct, correct. And if you think back, AP, uh, you know, he got off to a pretty rocky start down there, if I remember correctly, uh, really early on in his tenure, like uh, first couple games. I have a memory that he was involved in some screaming or shouting match at one of his players, yeah. and I think, you know, so right off the bat, you know, there was a negative seed planted from day one, and uh, and it just sort of hung there, and you know, they were, they've were they really pretty much been treading water for the past couple of years, if you think about it. Nothing special, a couple yeah. great victories like this year's Tennessee Hail Mary game, but you know, nothing special.
4: No, and John, it, it, it's funny because here he's won two each in division. That tells you the strength of that side of the conference was not very good because he won it with defense. Uh, of course, when he got to the Alabama games, it, they, they couldn't hold him down. But he had some pretty good ball players on that side, and they managed to scrape through some games. But offensively, they were, they were lacking. and I mean, it was just horrific. There was no improvement. Well, I mean, there's not much more I can say. I mean, that's the goal Correct. is to score a lot of points. When you're from Florida, man, you're thinking high-scoring offense, receivers running all around the field, you can't catch them, the running backs coming out of the backfield, uh, quarterbacks throwing at a mile and receiver on the other end. I mean, you're just thinking of all types of excitement uh, when the Gators come to mind. But you didn't see any of those things happening at all under uh, Jim McElhinney. Correct. I know that's the story behind it. That's what kind of was happening in games. Really. You know, you know, needed
1: uh, a Right. Right. Um. Wow. Oh, all right. So, yeah, it's uh, you know, been a tumultuous uh few years for Florida, going back to his predecessor, Jim McAwain's predecessor, Will Musgrave. That did not end well, and now we have uh, you know, this, and so. You have a, floor, a Florida Gator program in turmoil, so we'll see uh, have to see how that all turns out. But uh, it's pretty crazy. And uh, AP, I was just noticing we were speaking of undefeated teams that Virginia Tech plays at Miami this weekend. So that's be that's a be an interesting game too. That'll be a real test for the Hurricanes.
4: Yeah, I think the Hurricanes, John, they're not an overpowering team, but they they learned they're learning how to win under Mark Rick. Uh, the quarterback, he can make them throws at times that you saw in the Florida State yep. team. He, that pinpoint pass down the sideline for the touchdown when the clock was winding down. It was it a was very uh, big gamble, but Mark Rick yes right at that time, and the chip fell on his side. And, but the Miami's you know, good, good football team, but they're not going to overwhelm you.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, oh, speaking of Florida State and being up here in Boston... It was remarkable to see what Florida State or what Boston College did to Florida State up here in Boston on Friday night. Uh, I'd say Florida State and Jimbo Fisher have bottomed out. I mean, that was a a lambasting by Boston College, who is not in the habit of lambasting teams like Florida State.
4: Right. John, I mean, I, I never thought I would see Florida State get this low in their program when you just come off a national championship not too long ago, and they're rated in the top two or three this season. And I'm sure I I said many times over the air that if they lost that first game, they have a chance to potentially uh, get back to the playoffs. Well, who could ever envision that the quarterback being hurt and the whole team fell apart? I mean, he doesn't play defense, so I'm really not understanding why it's been a total collapse. Because they've recruited well through the years, and they have some good young talent, but something's not right in Tallahassee for them to just lose uh, in such a manner against Boston College, thirty-five to three. They were really never in the game.
1: Whatever, it was, oh, no. thirty-five. I guess it
4: was thirty-five to three. I guess it was they or seven. Yeah, they they was, they were never in the game.
1: It was total domination, AP. Total domination, and uh, yeah. So just really shocking to see and. We all, I mean, they were number three in the country coming into that opening game against Alabama. We all know they lost their quarterback, but their defense was supposed to be fantastic. Yep. And you said it perfectly. The whole team has fallen apart since that game. And so I think they're now two and five. And that is, uh, you know, that's new, new frontier for Jimbo Fisher. So you're right. Something's really, really wrong there that... Well, it'll come out eventually what it is, but it hasn't come out yet. But it will, because that was, again, you just don't see that. Boston College just doesn't do that to teams, and they did it on Friday night. I was, I was amazed as I watched that game.
4: John, I was able to catch quite a bit of that game myself, and I'm thinking, where is the leadership from the coaching staff, from the players on the field? There, there's none. And Boston College, to their credit, they're, like, they're a program on the rise. They were physical at the line, it was attacked. Their quarterback, who was also young, he played a very good ball game. Made a, quite a few good decisions. He was elusive when he ran the ball. And he made some nice throws. That running back, and I guess that was they said it was, was that Tom Gatewood, son or grandson
1: from Notre Dame? Is that how they? Oh, they I it think him? it might be. Well, the other kid who had the, the huge game, AJ Dillon, the running back. That, that's it.
4: Yeah, that that was him. They 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 referred
1: to him as something. Related to Tom Gatewood of Notre
4: Dame, do you remember him.
1: Well, I think that's very possible, and I have a memory of that, because I watched him play in high school a couple times. I actually interviewed the coach, former BC and Cleveland Browns offensive lineman, Paul Zakakis. Uh, I interviewed him for NFL player engagement a couple years ago. Uh, he's the coach of Lawrence Academy up here in Massachusetts, and uh, A.J. Dillon played for him, and he told me. Early on, like two years ago, when he was a sophomore, junior, he said, watch out for this guy, and boy, it, it all came to fruition on Friday night. He had about 150 yards rushing, and he was the dominant player of the game. The he,
4: he sure was, and I, I guess it said he was from New London, Connecticut, but he went to Lawrence Academy, you said, and had committed originally to Michigan. Wouldn't they like to have a, a running back like him right now?
1: Exactly, exactly. Uh, well, B.C., suddenly... Uh, if I'm not mistaken, they have three wins in a row. They previously, the week before, really dominated uh, University of Virginia down in Charlottesville. So suddenly Boston College is uh, maybe Steve Adasio who's highly regarded as a coach in his third or fourth year, is uh, putting it all together. Uh, they certainly did on Friday night and maybe beyond.
4: Yeah, he's been in the big arena, John, coaching at Florida, Notre Dame, Syracuse, so he knows how to build a program and find players, and I think the key for him is he can develop them, as he did a a few at Temple, quite a few at Temple.
1: Right, absolutely. Well, AP, it's hard to believe we're at the end of our first segment, still a whole lot more to get to, but uh, why don't we take our break now, and we'll get to some of the other big topics of the weekend on the other side.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to IIR at Comcast.net. Now,
1: back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I am your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., as always, you know, the SEC is squarely in the middle of uh the you know and is the epicenter again of college football especially with the emergence of georgia i mean you know you have a uh, lots of teams in turmoil as we discussed florida tennessee and others and then you have alabama at the top and i have georgia right there with them number two one would think uh tomorrow night um Kirby Smart, you, you must be loving it. Kirby Smart, doing an amazing job there. Uh, what are your thoughts about that? You know Kirby Smart well from covering Alabama over the years.
4: Yeah, quick turnaround at Georgia. He's a defensive-minded coach, very intense. I mean, he learned that system over at Alabama, and it's a, the process is to get all the players going in the same direction, to get, get everyone to buy in, You know, team with a capital T, And he seems to be able to do that magic in one, you know, just a couple of years. Uh, you know, they have, they have two good running backs. They have three fine young quarterbacks performing well. Uh, defensively, they're strong. And so those, that, that's a good combination. If you can run the football, you have steady play at the quarterback position, not turning the ball over, good defense. So that's, that's quite a combination. And Kirby Smart, I mean, he, he has all the talent in the world, just like Florida does but yep. he he seems to do something
1: with it. Yeah, well, you know, I mean, he's done a lot, but he also had the good fortune of inheriting two, a two-headed monster. Those two running backs of Nick Chubb and Sonny Michel are both uh just proving to be uh more than most teams can handle. It's every week you you know they're both uh, you know, have being highlight reels and uh so, yeah, it's really, uh, you know, fascinating to watch him. I mean, Georgia has just such a great fan base, to say the least, as you well know. And uh, so, yeah, it's it's going to be fun to watch. I mean, the thought sitting here today of Georgia and Alabama undefeated going to the Big Ten, excuse me, SEC championship game uh, in Atlanta is uh, already is wetting the appetite, to say the least.
4: Oh yeah, and, they, and like I said, they're both they're both going to be tested at Auburn, so we'll find out something more about both teams.
1: Oh yeah, but no George,
4: doubt. But you know, but Georgia, I think they're getting stronger, John, by the week. Correct.
1: Exactly. Well, that's that's really, you know, they had that big uh, win at Notre Dame on the final play of the game, and then, uh, you know, lo and behold, they're just. Uh, You know, again, you said it perfectly, getting stronger by the week. And, I mean, what they did to Florida on Saturday was just, uh, it was a rout. And, uh, you know, that's always uh, typically a highly competitive game, a lot of bad blood, quite the history for that game up in Jacksonville every year. And uh, for them to come out and just run all over the Gators is uh, uh, quite a testament. And, of course, the Big Ten. Or, excuse me, SEC, I got Big Ten on the mind. But SEC championship game would be a classic student versus pupil, Nick Saban versus Kirby Smart. For uh, That would be just tremendous to see. So we'll see what develops. But I think there's, uh, right now, sitting here today, looks like a pretty reasonable chance that could happen.
4: Yeah, John, and plus it's in Atlanta. All those Georgia fans, right.
3: they'll,
4: they'll be salivating to get a hold of Nick Saban. <laughs> and get him one more time back in Atlanta, because that a few years ago, you know, not too long ago, I guess it was maybe 2012 or so, uh, 13, or whatever, I think it was 12. Mark Rick had him on the ropes. If they had one more timeout or a few more seconds, they had the ball there on about the five or six yard line. Yep. And and, jo- and Georgia had the lead in that game, and Alabama came back. But so those Georgia folks know that when they have the, the players and the right coach. Things could happen for them where they can compete with Alabama.
1: Exactly. Um, I remember that game well. And, uh, yeah, that would be a great SEC championship game. And uh, that's going to be fun to watch. So AP have what seems to be most years, maybe not this year, but you never know, uh, LSU Alabama this weekend. Saturday night at 8 o'clock. Uh, is that game in Alabama or in Baton Rouge?
4: That is in Tuscaloosa, John. That's the primetime 7 p.m. Central game on CBS.
1: Okay. That'll be good. It's always good. That's, you know, LSU has been up and down, but, you know, that game has great recent tradition, to put it mildly.
4: Yeah, those games, some of them have been close, quite a few, matter of fact, and last year was 10-zip, John. I mean, they held Alabama down offensively, and, you know, LSU had a couple of bad games, that Troy game, and, uh, you know, Mississippi State just stomped them in the ground, surprisingly, but then they came back, beat beat the Florida team that couldn't score, Ole Miss, and uh, so they're on a hot streak at the moment, and, and I think... Ed Orgeron, he'll get his team prepared. And Alabama, you know, had the off week. LSU had the off week. So that's why in the past it's been pretty good because they've had time to get a little bit healthy and recover and then game plan for each other.
1: Right, exactly. Um, you know, you mentioned Mississippi State. Uh, and we're back to the Florida coaching conversation now. Uh I heard Dan Mullen is the leading candidate. Uh, does he have a background with the Gators?
4: He actually coached Tim Tebow at Florida a year, you know, I don't know how many years exactly, but he was the quarterback, coach, maybe the coordinator over there. I mean, Furry was, and you know, I mean, Urban, Urban Meyer, I guess it was, was the, cord, you know, hands-on guy offensively. But of course. Dan Mullen was over there with Tim Tebow. So, And then Scott Strickland was the athletic director at Mississippi State. Okay, all right. So he's at Florida now, so that's a a pair that can get along as far as I know.
1: Wow, Uh, that seems like, have you been hearing that too, that he appears to be the leading candidate?
4: Yes, Yes. if I had to go to Las Vegas, that's where my money would be on Dan Mullen being the next head coach at University of Florida.
1: Okay, any other uh, candidates that come to mind off the top of your head?
4: Yeah, there was a few I read, John. I, I can't remember them at the moment, but uh, it wasn't a real – I mean, there's you can find a long list anywhere on the Internet, of course. But there was about two or three names. That was it. But Dan right. Mullen was a strong preference.
1: All right. Well, that's going to be interesting to see. I wonder if they're going to be uh... – so they have an interim coach now. And I wonder yeah, – I'm guessing they're going to yeah, wait to the end of the season.
4: Yeah, Randy Shannon, the former uh, Miami linebacker coach, Coach Miami. And then another name I I can remember from that two or three was Scott Frost, you know, right there at Central Florida. But I think Nebraska is looking to take him from Orlando and bring him to Lincoln. But stranger things have happened, right? I don't know if he's going to rebuff his alma mater because... Nebraska is a different world now. I think we discussed this a few times where where is your recruiting base? You know, are you, Because you, you can't just stay in Nebraska and you have to be able to go to all these different corners of the United States. And I don't know if you're able to do that now to bring somebody to Nebraska or the wintertime. It's so cold. But, I mean, they get players to Ohio, but Ohio has a lot of players. They'll pluck some from Florida here and there Georgia. But uh, you need a lot more than Ohio would uh, or you know, a lot more than Michigan and some of those cold weather programs are usually at the top. Nebraska needs quite a few. and they most of the skilled players on offense and defense and some of the big linemen that can move.
1: Absolutely. Uh, yeah, well, it's going to be interesting, uh, you know, having just been out in Nebraska for the Ohio State game. Just a couple of weeks ago, I saw what Ohio State was made of that night, so I can't say I was very shocked to see them beat Penn State Uh Given that I saw him beat Nebraska fifty-six to whatever um, (laughs) in Lincoln a a mere couple weeks ago, so yeah, it's uh, but you know Scott Frost, you know when you once you spend time in Florida and that, in addition to sunshine and all the obvious things, uh, you know, coaching UCF to its current undefeated record in Orlando. Keep in mind, there's no NFL team in Orlando. Uh, you know, and I was down there just recently. I was in Orlando literally uh, three weeks ago, and there was a lot of buzz around Central Florida. And, uh, you know, they have already have a foundation from, you know, George O'Leary, Blake Bortles, Fiesta Bowl of just a few years ago. So, you know, who knows? I mean, you know, it's a pretty good place to be right now, I'd say. And UCF... uh is you know they're undefeated what can you say and and they kind of own the town on not just the college football front but to a certain degree the entire football front because again there is no nfl team in orlando so they're getting a lot of pub a lot of buzz and so i think everybody's assuming scott frost may leave but maybe that's a bit of a quick assumption
4: yeah, I think I think there's a good chance, but um, like I say, I don't know if this forward enters the picture. And then another name they had out there, John. As I thought about it, Charlie Strong, but right. I'm I'm I don't know if they'd want to take him at this moment. I mean, he's already been at the University of Texas, which has ball players, uh, you know, around the corner from Austin, the campus, and he was not successful or whatever, but he's, he has been at University of Florida maybe a few times in the past as a coordinator and defensive coach, but I, I would tend to think it would be a Scott Frost, but Dan, Dan Mullen, the leading candidate.
1: Right, right. And, uh, you know, by the way, just to kind of close the loop on this, I mean, we talked about the problems of Florida and Florida State, so suddenly, you know, you'd have to think that the recruiting for Central Florida and South Florida Undefeated and one defeat, respectively, could, you know, vastly improve. They're both in great locations. As great as Gainesville and Tallahassee are, you know, Orlando and Tampa are pretty good places too. And uh, so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, UCF and USF both, uh, you know, start getting even more recruits than they've been getting. Let's face it, up till now, they've probably been getting some of the leftovers Uh, Maybe going forward, that's not the case. That might all of a sudden become more of a big five state than a big three state, along with, of course, Miami, who's undefeated this year. So they're doing well.
4: Yeah, NFL scouts, they know their way to Orlando and Tampa. Yeah,
3: And they've got plenty
4: of players succeed (laughs) in the NFL. Absolutely. So all you have to do is, yeah, convince them. You know, maybe they have a teammate that's being recruited by one of those schools. Maybe they offer them a chance to play a position at another school. Was only going to uh, think about and really not give them a, some type of guarantee. So there's all kind of ways to lure players to a school that's not on the Power Five. You know, maybe they play that. Maybe they'll have the Power Five school on their schedule. I mean, maybe you, you know your high school coach ends up there. I mean, just all kind of things you you could imagine to get a, a young talent to Central Florida, a South Florida. And they have good teams. I mean, they're good programs. They can compete with anybody.
1: Yeah, and USF plays in the Tampa Bay Bucs Stadium, Raymond James, and UCF has just a beautiful on-campus stadium, uh, to say the least. So, Anyway, hard to believe, AP. Well, here we are at the end of our last break. Uh, Why don't we take that now and still a couple more things to get to after this break.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise, you won't be up to your game on the field.
2: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144, or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now,
1: back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I'm your host, John Inglesby, and back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Studham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the week for appointment viewing is tomorrow night's World Series Game 6. Justin Verlander on the mound, going for both his and the Astros' first ever World Championship in Dodger Stadium. And if Game 6 is half as good as Game 2 and Game 5, we are in for the treat of treats. And we're finally at the elimination game phase. So, AP, i got to ask, have you been catching any of the World Series at
4: all? Well, John, I turned the TV on last night. I was looking for a baseball game, but I think I watched Home Run Derby.
1: Yeah, (laughs) well said. It is just unlike anything we've ever seen before with these massive comebacks fueled by home runs. Uh, It's just remarkable. They're both great hitting teams, but they were also both known, especially the Dodgers, for these fabulous bullpens that have just been shredded. Both bullpens are just, <laughs> yeah. they're just cooked. <laughs> you know, and, and a day off today isn't going
4: to help. No, no. And i tell you, John, the managers, they must be beside themselves because you, as you spoke of the, the fabulous bullpens and, and they're putting the uh, pitcher out of the mound and you're getting whiplash watching the game. You know, the ball's going to every other batter. So I don't, I don't know what the, the managers can do to them that, that trend, really.
1: I know, and, you know, it's so amazing because, you know, three-run homers, some of which are legendary, the one last year, uh, you know, in Game 7, Rajay Davis for the Indians against the Cubs, going back to Bernie Carbo in 75 Game 6 against the Reds, when Carbo hit that one for the Red Sox, preceding Carlton Fisk's home run. I mean, these these epic Game 3 World Series home runs live forever. And here we have, you know, in this series, and especially last night and, of course, Game 2, more home run, more three-run home runs than you can keep track of. It's just amazing. There's been, like, at least a half a dozen of them, it seems. I mean, it's, it's great theater. I mean, who doesn't love three-run homers, right? To, especially when they, like... Are hit by the team that's losing and then ties up games, goes ahead, whatever. But that's what we're seeing inning by inning, it seems.
4: Yeah, and it puts the pressure on the other team that's coming to bat, and
1: you're thinking, what will
4: they do? Will, will they respond? Are, are they going to go ahead? And I've never seen, I don't think I've seen anything like it the amount of times there was a deficit of three and
1: it was tied. Correct. And last night, for the first time, and boy, was I wrong, I mean, when the Cubs, you know, I mean, Clayton Kershaw on the mound with the 4-0 lead into, what, third, fourth inning, you think the game is over. And I thought, wrongly, the game was over. So they go back and forth, back and forth. And then when the Cubs finally, or the uh, Astros finally come back to tie it at 8-8, and then when ahead 11-8, I must say at that moment I said, it's over. There just can't possibly be another comeback and uh, <laughs> and sure enough, there was not only one. There was a couple more to go. And then the walk-off single. And uh, boy, Justin, what, what's going through Justin Verlander's mind right now? I can't wonder but think about that.
4: No, he's got quite a challenge. I can tell you that. He, he's oh, yeah. been a, a very good pitcher in his career. But this must be one of his biggest uh, challenges that he's ever faced.
1: He's got the ball with the World Series championship uh, there for the taking tomorrow night. So you can't ask for anything more than that for someone who's had the career that he's had and came close with the Tigers, got to the World Series, of course. Uh, But tomorrow night, again, he has the ball in an elimination game with his team having the opportunity to win it all. So I, I, I cannot wait to see... What he does tomorrow night, I think, is just going to be classic. And uh, I mean, and again, we saw last night. I mean, it was an elimination game, but it's as close as you get with Clayton Kershaw for nothing lead. And I'm just sitting there going, like, you know, I'm switching back and forth with the Steeler game. Let's just say, when I looked at that, I just said, well, I think i watched the Steeler game for a while. But luckily, I turned <laughs> back.
4: <laughs> I hear. You. Oh yeah, I I really enjoyed it. That was the first time I had it chance to sit out and watch the baseball. Uh, but, John, yesterday I had a chance to cover the New York Jets and Atlanta Falcons game at NutLife Stadium.
1: Oh, are you Are you still drying out? Hopefully you were inside. <laughs> I was inside in the press box. Everything was fine. That was yes, insane to watch, that sheets of rain. Yeah, it was coming down, and the wind was blowing, but I mean, it
4: seemed, seemed to affect us. The game on the field, really. Uh, I asked Julio about the conditions, and he said, just try to catch the ball the same way.
3: Hmm. Said, Good answer.
4: Yeah, if you try to catch it on, with your body, that's something different in your, your normal routine. So just try to catch it with your hands, and everything should be all, all right. He had a nice 53-yard catch down the middle. After uh, Morris Claiborne left the field with an injury, you know, Morris went to LSU. Right. The O'Jones went to Alabama, so the rivalry was
1: renewed. And they day, have a history. Yeah, they played against each other a few years. Yeah, well, that's great. I was watching that game on NFL Red Zone. Great game to watch, especially if you were inside, because that was just insane. We got that weather up here in Boston last night, and it was just crazy, to say the least.
4: Yeah, it was a competitive game. And, oh, yeah. You know, back, back and forth. And, uh, Atlanta gave us the ball a few times, and uh, the Jets couldn't hold on to win. And Atlanta broke, I think it was a three-game losing streak.
1: Oh, they had to have it, AP. They, I, Atlanta. That that was a season saver for them, I think. Yeah, I think so, too. It really was. Well, AP, hard to believe. I'm glad you mentioned you were covering that game yesterday and you talked to Julio. Uh... But hard to believe we're at the end of our show. I want to thank you for taking the time to call in while on the road. And uh, once again, we appreciate your great perspective.
4: Well, thank you, John. It's always my pleasure. I look forward to the next time.
1: All right, and enjoy the LSU-Alabama game this Saturday night. should be a great one. Thank you. Thank you, John. All right, AP, and as always, thank you all for listening to All Around Sports. We look forward to doing it all again next Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern time.